Engaging Conversation with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chat, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. And a good Friday afternoon to you. My name is Brenton Dreger, sitting in for Andrew and Jay Lynn today. Uh, good to be with you once again. A lot of things to uh, get to this afternoon. It's looking like it's going to be a pretty good fall weekend. Lots of sports on the go this weekend in Edmonton. Of course, uh, you'll catch all of that right here on 630 Ched. Uh, the Eskimos and the Oilers in action tomorrow. Countdown to kickoff starts at 3.30. The football game at 5. And then we go to the hockey game right after that with the Ottawa Senators. The Eric Carlson-less Ottawa Senators in town this weekend. Uh, ripe for the picking? I don't know. That's just my <clears throat> two cents worth. But anyway, lots of, of uh, sports uh, coming your way this weekend. This afternoon, going to start with uh, a significant change in the world of condos. Um You may have heard um, this week how the province is rolling out the new regulations surrounding condos. This is one of those things that's been, I mean, years in the making. Uh, A couple of different governments doing consultations on uh, what kinds of changes to make to the way condos are regulated, the legislation around that. So joining us in studio to chat about that is a... a bit of a, a subject matter expert, Robert Noche, who is a condo lawyer and has been involved in this for a long time. Thanks for coming in, Robert. My pleasure. Good afternoon. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, a lot of the stuff that is, I guess, in these regulations, just to kind of go through the the quick hit list, uh, developers have to give you a final move-in date, uh, so they have to be... That's been one big issue for a lot of condo buyers. Um, the deposits will be held by the lawyer while your condo's getting built. They have to include floor plans and finishes that are in the contract so you know what you're getting, what you're buying. Um, and they're also developers also have to give more information to the new condo boards to kind of make that transition smoother. I guess when you first saw these regulations finally get rolled out after months and years of consultations, I mean, what stood out, what stands out to you from this? Well, it, it's definitely buyer-focused, so it definitely improves the uh, consumer protection legislation that's in place today. It actually strengthens it from a buyer's perspective and creates some additional risk to the developer. So you are quite correct. These have been in the works for a very long time. They started with the previous government. They were all approved, the changes to the legislation back in December of 2014. So we're slowly moving this out. So what this means, of course, is that, as you know, today, developers will market a particular development and tell potential buyers that we will be ready for occupancy by this date. And of course, they're probably overly optimistic with the date. And as you know, (laughs) most projects get delayed. I mean, here in the city, we can't even build a bridge or LRT on time. So things happen. And so developers will now have to be much more accurate with their information and so that people now will have a true appreciation of of the move-in date. And so this will be a major change to what we've got right now. So buyers will definitely be able to rely on that date. And if they don't get that date, they have remedies now that they didn't, that don't exist today. So starting on the 1st of January, potential buyers uh, who uh, want to pull out of an agreement may have that very right to pull out because the developer has not fulfilled their commitment in terms of a move-in date, and that's significant. Were you surprised that that 
that got done that they were able to put that in there as a regulation? Well, surprised, yes, because the development industry is also a player in, oh, yeah. in, in, in condominium living. And so there was pushback because developers need the certainty of pre-sales in order to move forward with a development. And those pre-sales give the developer and the lender probably a lot of comfort in knowing, okay, this development is good to go. We're happy to lend money to this developer. The developer's confident that it will make a return on that investment. And these additional rules now will definitely create more risk for a developer and the fear of losing those pre-sales may have huge implications for the developer so yes i mean it goes quite the distance in terms of providing protection to the buyer i wanted to ask you about that because if developers now have to give you a hard date or a really close date for when you can actually move in there do they get cold feet? Do they hesitate and say, "Well, in that kind of environment, I mean, you you know, we you know, people know the names of like the Brad Lambs who are, you know, parachuting in from Toronto or wherever. People who are building these big towers and I mean, helping lead to a, a more revitalized downtown or what have you. But are those sorts of developers going to get scared off by this, or is there still enough of a market here, enough of an opportunity to make money that? they'll still just adapt to the new environment. Geez, I hope so. I <laughs> hope they'll stay because um, it would be horrible if these changes have a um, have implications for the overall market and the fear that it creates among developers who then say, well, listen, we, we're not investing in Alberta. I'm also hopeful that with the level playing field that all developers will be in that same boat. The reason why developers are optimistic with move-in dates because it makes the property attractive. <laughs> so people are looking, so you're telling me I can move in within a year? Absolutely. And so now they'll need to be more accurate with that information and realize that the year may not be a realistic date so that buyers now will know, well, I can't wait two and a half years because that developer down the street promises it to me within two years. So, you know, now that it's going to be a level playing field, hopefully that competitive edge will no longer exist. No different, no different than the other component you talked about is the commitment or the requirement of the developer to provide a more accurate assessment of the proposed monthly condo fees. Mm. So condo fees generate, the, the condo fees that are generated from uh, people, owners in a condominium building are used to operate the building on a day-to-day -day basis and hopefully put some money aside for future capital improvements. Developers, of course, like to market a property and, and tell potential buyers that our condo fees will be extremely low, we think they'll be this, and in reality, they when the owners take over control of the corporation, they don't reflect the true costs of that building, and so owners get that sticker shock going, oh my goodness, my condo fees have doubled in the past year, I can't afford this place anymore. There will be a requirement on the part of the developer to be more accurate with that information, and the remedy if they're wrong, is potential reimbursement of those additional costs to the corporation. So the, the consequences to, to developers is, is, are significant in these changes, and the, the buyer the, uh, will have a lot more power than they do today. We talked a bit about how long this has taken, and I wish I had looked it up when this actually started. In my hazy memory, 
it almost seems to me like this might have started under the Redford government. Am it I, am did. I, it, it am did. I, wow, okay. Yeah, I thought, no I thought it was memory. crazy. And in fact... So is that like five years ago? Yeah, and in fact, it was started by <laughs> an MLA who passed away, who was killed oh. on Highway 2, Mohamed Buhler. Right, the was, former Southwest Alberta minister. Yeah, That's he right. was. And he, uh, he led the charge, and I had the opportunity to have several conversations with him about the legislation, and he was truly committed to bringing this along. So full marks to him in terms of bringing it forward and and of course it's unfortunate it has taken so long it's unfortunate it's taken so long even to get to this stage because alberta was the very first province in canada to adopt condominium legislation back in 1966 and the very first condominium plan registered anywhere in canada was right here in edmonton so alberta has always been the leader in terms of condominium unfortunately the legislation from 1966 to today, with the exception of some amendments that have occurred prior to today, has basically stayed the same. So long overdue in terms of improving the quality of our legislation, considering that hundreds of thousands of of Albertans now live in condos. Absolutely. Absolutely. I uh, wanted to just point out, if if you have a question, I mean, we've got condo lawyer Robert Noche in the studio, so he's uh, obviously got some expertise in this area. So you could text your question to 630-630 if you'd like. Uh, Chris already took advantage of that and says, developers will make the deadlines at the cost of quality, and most of them are already poorly built. Um, do you think this opens the door for shoddy workmanship just to meet those now arbitrary deadlines? Well, I hope not, hmm. uh, but obviously if, if there is a time crunch, uh, it may force developers to move more quickly, and as you know with anything in life, hmm. when you move very quickly, uh, you may miss things. So, yeah, it, you know, there's always a consequence to a change in legislation. One of them, of course, is the, 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 uh, the idea or the potential outcome that was identified by one of your listeners accurate. Uh, another potential in, uh, outcome is the fact that developers may require additional insurance to cover these additional risks, which ultimately means additional cost to the potential buyer. So nothing in, nothing is ever perfect in these changes. So you kind of alluded to this, how we've, we've uh, these consultations went on for five years and we've kind of ended up with regulations that we could have come up with a couple of years ago. We you know went in circles to end up at the same spot. In your opinion, I mean, what's what's next or what's left to tackle here? The, the next phase, which the government indicated yesterday that they intend to roll out in the spring of 2018, is probably going, well, will impact people uh, more on a day-to-day basis than the changes that we saw or will see on the 1st of January, the governance of condominium living, basically how rules are implemented, disputes are dealt with, the creation of a dispute, a condominium dispute tribunal board so that people can go in front of this tribunal instead of the court process to deal with the dispute. It's jurisdiction, it's what it can or cannot deal with, unknown at this time, but these are significant changes. One of the other changes, which I long overdue, is the, the ability for boards to and owners to participate in, mean, in meetings electronically. Right now, if your bylaws mm. don't allow you to participate electronically, you can't. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, we're still living... Um, in in the, the 70s and 80s with respect to our technology. So, you know, the changes
changes are not going to solve everyone's problems, but they will definitely improve some of the governance issues that uh, plague condominium corporations on a day-to-day basis. Hmm. Our guest is Robert Noche, condo lawyer here in the city. Um, you can text us your question to 630-630 if you'd like. It's 217. My name is Brenton Dreger. Sitting in for Andrew and Jalen, we'll, uh, we'll pick it up with more of your questions and more about the new condo rules in a moment here on 630 Ched. It's 222. Brenton Dreger in for Andrew and Jalen, and we're chatting with uh, Robert Noche. A lawyer with expertise in the condo area, of course, talking about the new condo regulations uh, the province is uh, bringing in. They announced yesterday. Um, Let's go to the phones. We've got Tony on the line. Uh, Tony, what's your question? Yeah, uh, quite a few years ago there, well, I wouldn't say too long, eight years ago, my uncle uh, had a condo. He died now, but uh, before he died, he, he, uh, he got a letter in the mail from the condo association and he wanted me to have a look at it. So when I looked at it, it said that uh, they're going to change the windows and doors, and they give they want to give him a bill for forty five hundred dollars. So what I don't understand about that is when you buy that from the real estate, why don't they tell you you don't actually own the doors and windows, and they have the right to change them any time they want to, and give you a bill for forty five hundred dollars, and you're still paying condo fees every month? I don't understand that. All right, Robert. Well, first of all, uh, there is no uh, set position on windows and doors. So what may be the responsibility of the corporation in one building may be the responsibility of owners in another building. So one would have to look at the actual condominium plan and bylaws to figure out who is responsible for windows and doors. So that there's no one answer for all buildings. Mm-hmm. Secondly, uh, Tony, the yeah. the $4,500 may have been a what what is called a special assessment. The corporation was responsible for, in your case, it would appear that the association was responsible for replacing the windows and doors. They didn't have any money set aside for that need, and so they issue a special levy, a one-time payment to owners saying, we need this money right now to do our legal responsibility. So not unusual. A good corporation would put money aside on an annual basis so that when the need arises, there's money put away to deal with it as opposed to going to the owners through a special levy. And okay. in tr- mm-hmm. uh, well, we know that condos, some, most of them are a little cheaper than buying a house, of course, but uh, would you yourself go, go into a condo knowing full well they could come up and just change anything they want to? And then you give you a bill for that amount of money? If If the responsibility of the corporation is to repair and replace windows and doors and the time came to replace windows and doors I as an owner will know that someday I will be paying it monthly through my condo fees to address that or a one-time levy of course I know that you would have to know that but wouldn't the real estate company know that why wouldn't they tell the person who's buying the condo this is what could happen in the future why 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 don't I have that knowledge of that well that's a great question and I can't answer what realtors do or don't do but But they should have that knowledge of that though but there's also an onus on a buyer to do their due diligence Mm. to make sure that they've reviewed the condominium documents and help them understand what they are or aren't buying and if they can't understand those documents there are people out there from uh, a, a consultants to lawyers who can assist in that regard. Unfortunately, there's a cost to it, Tony, but there are people who can help. Hmm. All right. Thanks for the call, Tony. Appreciate Thank it. 
you. Thank All you, right. Tony. Yeah, yep. good stuff. Thanks, Tony. Uh, wanted to get you to another question here from the text line um, where someone was asking, how does the these regulations here in Alberta, how do they compare now to a big market like Toronto or Vancouver? Well, Toronto has, uh, Ontario, Toronto, Ontario is going through a major change with respect to their legislation as well. And in fact, uh, there are a number of similarities. Uh, for example, in Ontario, like in Alberta, all property managers will now need to be licensed mm. through the Real Estate Council of Alberta in the case of here in Alberta. That's a significant change that we have today. So today you could open a condominium management company and you don't need to be licensed through the Real Estate Council. That will change with these changes and that's happening in Ontario as well. Uh, BC's legislation very similar to what we've got or what we will have in, in Alberta. So there are similarities between the two. So Alberta um, will not be behind the eight ball in terms of its legislation once all of this is approved and put into law. We're kind of finally catching up, I yes. guess, with what else is out there. Yes. Um, now, a couple of people here are asking about with the regulation changes, they're saying that... Um, uh, da, 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 which includes the ridiculous money-grabbing new home warranty program. The cost for home buyers will go up. So there's, they're saying that there's going to be con that this, the new home warranty program. What, okay, what, that, what influences not, there on costs? Yeah, that's not part of what we saw, what the government announced yesterday. Okay. But, but th there was uh, a new program announced uh, some time ago. And yes, of course, it provides greater protection to buyers. But again, with anything that provides additional protection to buyers means additional costs to usually the developer. And those costs are usually paid by the buyers. So again, I think people need to understand with additional regulations means added costs. Hmm. It, it, there's no right. way there's no way around it. And unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on what side of the fence you fall on, whether you're pro-development, pro-buyer, pro-whatever, the fact remains is that these changes will definitely provide greater uh, security to buyers at a cost, though. And you won't actually see it line by line, but that home you're buying may, you know, an extra thousand here, an extra thousand there, only because the developer has to recoup these additional risks. We've got to run to the news here in less okay. than a minute, Robert, but I wanted to just uh, quickly ask you here, big picture on these regulations, I know we're kind of talking nitty-gritty on condo regulations, which can make your eyes glaze over a little bit, except, you, as you say, I mean, it applies to hundreds of thousands of Albertans, so the nitty-gritty kind of matters. Do you think the government got it right? Is this a is this a win-win? You talked about it's it's protecting buyers, but are, have we struck a good balance here? Probably somewhat, and and I will say this as well. And I'm recognizing we're we're almost at, at the news hour at the news half past the news, but I recognize that something more needed to be done to pro provide protection to buyers, and the government moved on that, and I think they did get it right. The problem, of course, is that I don't like the way this government and the previous government led. Legislates, legislates new laws. They do a lot of things by regulation as opposed to putting it in the substance or in the oh. substance of the act. And so that distinction uh, really makes it more challenging for people to understand what is the law. So it's easy. The governments love legislating by regulation because they can do it in private, at a cabinet meeting, no public debate, the whole bit. So 
uh, we're getting there. We're getting there, but it's it's nothing is perfect. But these additional protection to buyers will provide some benefit to buyers. All right, Robert Noche, thanks for coming in. We'll be back after the news. Engaging conversation with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chat, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. It's 2.35 on a Friday afternoon. Brenton Dreger sitting in for Andrew and uh, Jalen. Should mention this as well. Of course, it's the, the final weekend before... Uh, election Day on Monday, last day for advanced polls, so should let you know about Decision Edmonton airing on 6.30 Ched and globalnews.ca from 8 to 9.30 Monday night, anchored by Gord Steinke and Caroline Devaney, and also features Ryan Jesperson, Jaylen Nye, and Andrew Gross. And then, of course, after uh, Decision Edmonton, you can continue to listen here to 6.30 Ched with the online simulcast... Um, Sorry, you can continue to listen here, and Jalen and Andrew will have extended radio coverage until 11. So uh, Global Edmonton, globalnews.ca and 630 Ched, your home for Decision Edmonton Monday night. Well, do you think you could give up your smartphone for a week? Some of you are thinking, I, I couldn't be apart from it for... And I can't even go to the bathroom without my smartphone. Well, an uh, interesting experiment has happened here in Edmonton by our very own uh, friends at Family Matters, Laurel Gregory and Christine Meadows from Global Edmonton. Uh, of course, you hear that Family Matters show here Sunday mornings at 11 on 6.30, Ched. They gave up their smartphones uh, for a week. Christine joins us in studio. Laurel's on the phone. Thanks for uh, joining us today, ladies. Thanks for having us. Uh, and uh, Laurel, you're on your phone. You bet. Uh, <laughs> My smartphone. Good, good to have it back, eh? You know, it was just <laughs> for the convenience. <laughs> um, maybe you can tell me, first of all, uh, why you both... Maybe we'll start with you, Laurel. Why did you decide to do this? What started this whole, I guess, personal and professional project? You know, I think for me, I, I would not describe myself as digitally dependent. I think I'm pretty good at about detaching, particularly on my personal time. However, I found over the last few months that I don't have the um, ability to focus or, you know, pay attention to things the way that I used to. And that could be anything from, you know, writing in my job or, you know, listening through one song on the radio or hmm. I, I just find I'm I'm... I don't have that uh, that attention anymore, and that really bothered me. I felt like I I was just kind of pulling the pin on on different things and and not you know multitasking too much and not being able to focus. So that's what really piqued my interest of just maybe it's time to unplug. Christine, how did you first? I mean, you kind of were I guess inspired by this Edmonton mom. How did you hear about her? Uh, well, we we found her, oh. and we had sent her an email and said, do you know anyone who wants to give up your phone for a week? And she said to her husband, do you want to give up your phone for a week? And he turned it back on her and said, no, I think you should give up your phone for a week. She's um, a, a teacher, She and then has two businesses on the side, and she is also a mother of two. So she's on her phone all Oof. the time. She answers emails you know, whenever they come in. She t totally admitted to it, and she was up for the challenge, and she he loved it too. It, it was so good. Hmm. Um, now, Laurel, I saw in the the stories that you each kind of wrote your own personal accounts uh, yes. on the uh, Six Thirty Chat and Global News website, um, and you you talked to this researcher as well. Uh, what really stood out to you about what this researcher told you about our connection or addiction to our phones? 
Oh, Benjamin Wong was fascinating. So he deals specifically with youth who are digitally dependent in the Richmond area, and he spoke about how our ability to even empathize is affected when devices are there. He said that if a device is present, and even if it is turned off, studies show that it affects our ability to understand or put ourselves in another person's shoes if we're speaking with that person and that phone is between us. So that really impacted me. And then I also just just thought about his, you know, his points about if you feel like you are going to miss out, you've got that fear of missing out and that feeling that, oh, that you might miss out on some important messages and no one can reach you, that when you look back a week later and you power up and you see the messages you've missed, you will quickly realize you missed nothing of importance. There was nothing really crucial. You wouldn't have changed the course of your life or the decisions you made had you received that message when it was sent. Did you miss anything in your week away from your phone, Christine? Uh, I had a couple uh, messages. One was asking if uh, they could borrow, a neighbor asking if they could borrow brown sugar. Uh, the other message <laughs> she was... She couldn't come over and knock. Eh? Yeah, yeah, it was a text <laughs> message. Uh, she did show up eventually oh. for her brown sugar. And then the other one was just a friend who had changed their phone number, who I actually sit across from at work. So she had texted me her new phone number. But, oh, she, but funny. it was like seeing this. And Laurel, Brenton does have his phone out right now in between us. So should <laughs> yes. I, should oh I be worried? Yeah, so it's really hard for, me to, care, it's really hard for me to care about what she's saying. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's totally different, Dave. That's now, so funny. Laurel, I, uh, I hear that you missed out on a good deal at Costco because you didn't have your phone. <laughs> so my sister-in-law, she lives in BC, and we both love to cook, and she sent me a text basically saying, Hey, Costco has organic black beans for nine eighty nine, and it's so funny because it doesn't that just show how lame my life is. That would excite me, but uh, yeah, I missed out on that text. But doesn't that just go to show one week powering down no smartphone? That's what I missed. I missed that and, and another text. Hey, do you want to go to the gym? I mean, that's it. Not, mm. I'm not, you know, the president here or the prime minister. <laughs> like, there's the life goes on, and life goes on without us, and and we can catch up. Once we power up, it was no big deal. Hmm. we got to take a pause here for a commercial break. Uh, we'll be right back with Laurel and Christine in a second. would love to get your take on this as well. I mean, could you, how long do you think you could live without your smartphone? Or have you tried this sort of a digital detox experiment? So we'll uh, pick up that conversation in just a minute with uh, Laurel Gregory and Christine Meadows from Global Edmonton here on 630 Ched. It's 2.45, Brenton Dreger in with you this afternoon, joined by Christine Meadows and Laurel Gregory uh, from Family Matters. Could you give up your smartphone for a week? How long could you live without being uh, connected at the hip or at the palm to your uh, your digital uh, device? Um, I guess I wanted to get your recommendations on this because you guys tried this for a full week. Uh, you can hear, I mean, you can read the story online. You can probably still see the video of the story as well. Yeah, globalnews.ca slash Family Matters. And uh, 11 a.m. Sunday morning, you've got mm-hmm. the uh, the Family Matters program here as well on 630 Ched. I mean, you're, you're through it now. You survived it. <laughs> do you think everybody should try this? What do you think, Laurel? <laughs> I do. I don't hmm. think, uh, not just for parents. I mean, I think anyone can benefit from this. We are so connected. We never unplug. And I would say... You know, from my experience, even if you can't do it for a full week or don't want to commit to that, I mean, for a lot of people, this is a hurdle because of work responsibilities. I would say give up the the screen time half an hour before bed and half an hour after you wake up. I can't say how nice it was to just 
you know, wake up and, and the second my eyes are open, I'm like, here, I hear my son or I'm going to make coffee or just like kind of having some quiet time before the day starts. Rather than opening my eyes in the second both eyes are open, I'm, I'm scrolling work emails. I mean, it, that was a really nice break. And I, I don't know if I slept better, but I, I did feel a lot calmer and a lot more relaxed. Hmm. Uh, my key was I gave my phone to my husband, so I didn't have access to it because I would have found a way to look. I would have found a way to cheat. Um, but what, the first day was the hardest, and then after that, it, w it was pretty easy. So I think it just reminded me that my world was so actually so small and what mattered was in my house, and I didn't have to worry about what was going on, especially on Instagram, which was my big time sucker. <laughs> Uh, so what do you plan to do differently going forward? Now you've been through this, I guess maybe you have an idea of the benefits of it and maybe the drawbacks of it, but what are you going to do different now, Christine? I am glad you've asked this because then this can be like my formal contract. Oh, all right. <laughs> it's on the record, yeah. I am not going to be on my phone when the kids are awake. Uh, you know, unless it's an emergency or a work phone call or a parent phone call, I'm going to use the landline more. Uh, Techless Tuesday, I'm going to try to not take my phone out on Tuesdays. Uh, and and not be, feel so much pressure to take photos. I don't know if you can relate, but mm. I take hundreds of photos of my kids during the week. No lie. Anything they're doing, I'm taking a picture. And I realized in this week that I can be there and still have the same experience if I'm not looking back at them on their hundredth slide, you know, this month. <laughs> the other thing I, and Laurel talked about, uh, like feeling like she didn't have the attention span. I feel like we take photos just to remember stuff now like uh, instead of like memorizing that fact or that number mm -hmm. or that price of that item I'll just take a picture and like my brain doesn't need to be used at all yeah uh, Laurel what, what will you do differently now contractually obligated because you're <laughs> archiving this on the air um, for me it's all about the quality of use so what am I doing and how am I using my time and am I being efficient so I'm just gonna be far more intentional with my use so if I'm you know, online, am I doing something that's productive or, or adding value to my life? I don't want to mindlessly scroll Twitter anymore or mindlessly go through Instagram, you know, looking at different pictures of people I've never even met before. It's sort of bizarre when you take a step back and realize that all of these people are not part of your immediate world. You don't have relationships. I mean, do I need to know, like Christine pointed out, do I need to know what people are making for supper on Instagram? No, I don't. I need to make my own supper with my own family and ha turn my phone off. And I think for me, it's just being conscious of what I'm doing online and what that time is taking away from. You also mentioned this uh, earlier, Laurel, that it's hard for people because they need their phone for work. So I'm curious, I guess, both of you, how you experience this over the course of the week, and maybe it also impacts, I guess, what you plan to do going forward. But did you, was it harder to do your jobs uh, without your smartphone? And then at home, I'm, I'm guessing I'm kind of curious how the experiment worked between, in the two environments, work and at home. Uh, I was a really good mom. I was a really bad journalist. I didn't have a single story idea the whole week we did this because I realized I now get the majority of my story ideas by seeing what people are talking about on Facebook or uh, what people are talking about at twi on Twitter. And I didn't come up with anything because I didn't. I wasn't checking it on my phone at night and screen grabbing it and then sending out emails. I think it was a real wake-up call for Laurel that people didn't actually expect her to email back quickly. Mm -hmm. mm. That was the big thing for me. But, like, usually if I get an email, even if it's a work email, 
at night confirming something for the next day, I will reply that night. I'll reply at 9 o'clock at night. Like, I check the email before I go to bed. I realize I don't necessarily need to do that. I don't know if my boss wants to hear that, but I don't. <laughs> um, and the other thing, I felt far more present with my family, where I really need to be. And, and when I look back on this time, I think that I'll, I'll be really happy we had this little reality check to, to make us far more aware of that. Is it I think in the the researcher you talked to, he, he talked about how your, well, you touched on it earlier, Laurel, how using your smartphone, like, it, it changes your interactions. You're no longer a, capable of showing the same kind of empathy to the people that you're talking to if the phone is between you, that kind of thing. So is it, like, is it possible to use a smartphone without it changing you or without it changing how your brain works or your relationships? I mean, does moderation work? Laurel will probably be able to explain more, but um, Benjamin Wong, he described how it, it feeds our brains, right? Laurel, remember he was talking about how, like, the connection between our hands being able to do something and our brains, that we, it was natural for us to become, like, it, it to become a bad habit. And, yeah, and it forms habits anytime, yeah, just biologically, and he would explain this far better than I would, <laughs> but biologically, when you're using your hands, it, it, there's such a strong connection to your brain, and there ha- it has been that way for so long. Um, it's so solidified that basically, yeah, it, it forms a connection and, and a real habit compared to, let's say, if you were using something else. Hmm. It's really interesting. I think um, one thing Ben Wong said that I, I just wanted to mention, he talked about, you know how we're having this whole mindfulness yep. revolution of like meditation and headspace and yoga retreats and all this stuff. He's, Benjamin Wong was saying like the reason we need all this stuff is because we're all walking around on autopilot. Hmm. Just get a landline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or, or power down. It's, you know, it's your life. Huh. Now, now that you've tried this, and uh, you were talking about how you gave your phone to your husband, and he was kind of the guardian of that, and your friends were kind of mildly annoyed that they couldn't get a hold of you. <laughs> is any, anybody in either of your circles going to try this now? Is, is, have you made any converts? Uh, I still haven't. Everyone thinks it's too hard to do, or they don't see the point of it because they're not that bad with their phone. I didn't think I was that bad, but uh, I just had that fear of regret that I was going to look back at these years, and I missed it because I was busy looking at my phone. I think I pitched this story idea to Laurel because I knew I couldn't even, you know, I would say I would put my phone in my purse and I wouldn't check it till the kids were asleep, but I would go back and anytime I thought I heard it and I would check it, even if it was in the purse. So to show that I could do this for a week now looking back I will admit I was a distracted parent hmm. I think Brenton that I think anyone could do this and I would challenge anyone to do this and see if it benefits their life I think the main thing is we have so normalized um, the use of this device that we don't even notice it ourselves I think we're so it's so unconscious I think you know you're how many times are you in a restaurant and you see two people sitting across from each other and they're both on the phone people <laughs> at bus stops we have laws around driving because people can't drive from point A to point B without texting or checking their phone huh. I mean does that not say it all yeah all right okay well we're uh, out of time here thanks a lot for uh, sharing your insight and of course people can catch up globalnews.ca slash family matters and they can uh, hear the program here as well 11 o'clock sunday morning on 6 3 ched thanks for your time thank you all right that's laurel gregory and christine uh, meadows from global edmonton we're back in a minute 
It's 2.58. Brenton Dreger in for Andrew and Jay Lynn today. Would love to get your thoughts on uh, what we just talked about with Laurel Gregory and Christine Meadows. How long could you live without your smartphone? I mean, mine is an arm's reach away from me right now, so i got to check it if it goes off. You'll excuse me, I hope. Um, We've got to head off to the 3 o'clock news here in a bit, but you can uh, text me your thoughts on that smartphone bit, 630-630. Coming up after 3 o'clock, maybe you've noticed uh, if you're not in your 20s anymore and you're noticing that the the young body is a little harder to to keep, what can you do to... uh, with your diet, what's the best thing really to do with your diet that can maybe help you get a little closer back to that? And which of these fad diets should you just be avoiding because they're not really that helpful or that good for you? We'll talk to a, a registered dietitian coming up after 3 o'clock. Brenton in for Andrew and Jay Lynn here on 630 Ched.